That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. All right, Jake, here we are, episode 80, a number that signifies, I don't know what. Quarantine. We, we, no, I'm just Yeah, <laughs> we now have an octogenarian podcast, mm. uh, and here we are. We started this... Um, Low these many months ago, and and now uh, we're here. We find that there are fewer listeners these days. Interestingly, not because you and I are not good, because clearly we're great, mm-hmm. but people are commuting less and therefore listening less. But you know who's not commuting is all of us working preachers who are still at home preaching from our living rooms, or maybe some of you are still able. Like I can still go to my church. Jake, you're going to your church and preaching from there with like five people. Uh, helping to run the show, mm-hmm. but uh, man, what a time! Yeah, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing all right. You know, we're um, about a you know recording here in the middle of April, and uh, we're about a month into this quarantine, and uh, hate it. And so, but um, it is what it is. And so, good time to kind of um, think about the church and think about what uh, life is all about and what's really valuable. And so, and. Um, I tell you what, the promises of God really ring true during this time, and um, um, clinging on to that blessed assurance, which I um, we're going to deliver to you in momentarily. How are you doing, Aaron? Good. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, where I draw my source is the theme song from that 80s sitcom, The Facts of Life. Mm. You know, you take the good, you take yeah. the bad. There you have the facts of life. Mm. Just kidding. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, I think we've said this before and I think our audience will continue to find this to be true. If you're a preacher, you're finding people more hungry for the word maybe mm. than they have been recently. Um, and so it's just, it's important guys and gals that we continue to deliver the message and, and bring this word of grace and hope. And yeah, that's certainly what we have in the readings for the fourth Sunday of Easter, this Easter season, which is unlike one that we have had in a long time. The church has certainly had Easter seasons like this before. Imagine Easter during the bubonic plague. You know, we don't often think about what it would have been like to celebrate these great feasts of the church year during times of great suffering. But I tell you what, folks, uh, the church has been here before and will be here again. The church has, has served through earthquakes, famines, floods, and uh, again, it's just the maybe in our own time, in our own nation, if you are an American uh, for the past several years, the church has had kind of a heyday, and our culture has had kind of a heyday, but um, the church, we have deep in our bones and in our institutional memory serving in times of suffering, and so good. Yeah. I just want to give a word of encouragement and love to preachers out there that are still doing the good work. Uh, and if you're tired and exhausted, I recommend that you get a friend like Jacob Smith, who I get to call and record podcasts a couple times a month. So, yeah, love you, Jake. For real. Thank you. I, I, I do think um, in times like this, it is important to kind of 
reach out and cultivate a few relationships. You know, check in with your uh, spouse or check in with your roommate, check in with your kids even just once a day and um, check in with a friend and and see how they're doing. Um, I think uh, the one of the things that's being revealed during this time is how important actual human contact really is. And I think how much we all really um, evaluate, uh, how we really value uh, real relationships. So um, uh, yeah, keep checking in everybody and check in with same old song, even if you're not community. That's right. And, and the, you know, the first reading from Acts 2, let's jump into it. We got Acts 2, 1 Peter 2, and John 10. It's all about community mm-hmm. and something the church does pretty well and has done well from the beginning. So, uh, yeah, what would you say about El Segundo Capitulo of the Book of Acts of the Apostolos? Yeah, well, this this particular passage takes place right after uh, right after uh, Peter's uh, famous sermon. And um, and the opening line here is um, is what the church is supposed to be all about. Um, this is the foundation of the church. And I think for a lot of us coming out of this um, situation, you know, your budgets are going to be cut, um, your, um, and you're going to have to get back to first things. Um, not, not to quote the magazine, but you're going to have to get back to uh, the, the principles of the whole thing. And you see this in Acts chapter 2. You know, they didn't spearhead some sort of new major social ministry. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. What did they do? They gathered for the apostles' teaching, which is basically a really good sermon that uh, focused on what Jesus had done for them. You want to know what the apostles' teachings are? Just look at Peter's sermon in, uh, in the previous verses. Then they had fellowship, which means they had a pretty good coffee hour, and they all hung yep. out. Maybe they had a small group throughout the week, but they had fellowship where they hung out. And then they had the breaking of bread. That means they gathered together for the Lord's Supper, the, one of the mandatums where Jesus has commanded them to do this in remembrance of me. And then they had the prayers, which means they had a pretty good liturgy. And uh, they prayed to God in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. But those are the four principles of the church. Everything we do should come out of that. Um, Oftentimes, I think in a lot of ways, we've had um, the cart kind of pulling the horse. And um, and I think in light of um, everything that's gone on and what's going on with a lot of your parishioners, it's going to be important to take a step back and focus on these four main things as a church. Yep, and uh, and what do we want to say about communism in this passage? Yeah, that's a very um, that's a very actually um, powerful point, and uh, you know, just I mean, you know, I have some socialist tendencies. Um, you know, I love FDR. You Bolshevik. I know. I'm really into. I w- I'd love to live in Denmark someday. But anyway, um, <laughs> just uh, I would say that here. So a lot of people take this passage and they're like justification for communism or some sort of form of socialism, which, and this is a form of socialism that you see happening here, but the important thing is, is that nobody's taking this stuff from them. What you see is that these people have had a converted heart, and so they are offering um, everything up by the move of the Spirit. There's no one taking this from them or forcing them to. And really, this becomes, and this 
I mean, God, God willing, the Spirit is going to move on the church in the same way. I think we're going to have to be generous with one another. I think they're going to find people in our community that um, aren't going to tell you because they used to be able to pay for groceries, aren't going to come up and say it. And uh, pastors, I think our eyes are going to have to be open to that and, uh, and, um, and uh, not to preach like and take things from people, but by preaching mm. the gospel and the word of grace and how God has freely given you all things, you're free now to give all things, praying that that kind of same spirit moves over your community and church. But it's a fruit of the preaching of the gospel, not um, not a work. That's right. They that is what's beautiful about this passage is that nobody has to tell them to do it. Mm-hmm. They just it's it is a it's this freely offered thing that seems to just spring from the community. And if you see in a place where the love of God and the grace of God is preached over and over and over again, there seems to be a loosening of that death grip that we have on our stuff all the time. And uh, and a spirit of generosity flows from it, and you see, it just describes glad and generous hearts. This isn't some severe asceticism and dour-faced approach to Christianity or to life. It's this thing that's full of joy, and um, and and you see the response of people all around, the goodwill of the people, and then the final thing, the day and day by day, the Lord added to their number. That's those right. who are being saved, which is a great way to put it, the, the, this recognition that God is doing it, not mm. that we are doing it, but that God is doing the work through us. Yeah, and I, I mean, and I love that. And this is, this is what happened. I mean, this is what happens when people preach. Um, this is the fruit, and I think that's how it needs to pr- be preached. And so, but this actually is one of my favorite passages in, in all of the book of Acts and in the New Testament. And I've really... I mean, I've really tried to model Calvary St. George's off of of this, focusing on the apostles' teaching, fellowship, killer communion service, and uh, a nice liturgy. And if you do that, um, after this, you'll be all right, whether you're in a living room or whether you're in an old dilapidated church or whether you're in a sanctatorium. Um, But I think we're all going to have to focus on first things once again. Is killer the right adjective to use for a communion service? <laughs> you know, uh, when a Christian uses that, we just remember it never dies. So anyway. Um, the Eucharist just killed today. <laughs> That's how it's done. So you see um, how I held that chalice. Yeah. All right. One day we'll hold that chalice again and we will rock it. Mm. All right. So, uh, which is also the name of a Def Leppard song. Not oh, one of their best. I love yeah. that one. So anyway, but. Do you? Yeah. Well. And judgment's questionable. We'll let it pass. I'll allow it this time. <laughs> so moving on to the letter of St. Peter. So first Peter writing to Christians who are under some serious persecution, mm-hmm. Christians who are enduring suffering. Ring any bells, people? <laughs> Can you think of a time when Christians have had to suffer and endure a difficult, extenuated circumstance? Oh my gosh, I that can't. reminds me of... Um... A funny story. One time I was in a Bible study when I first moved to New York on Romans 7. And uh, the guy who was leading the study, like it was like, I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I should. Um, And he was like, I don't know about you, but I have a real hard time relating to Paul here. And I was like... (laughs) Are you kidding? And uh, I was like, "This is the uh, this is why I keep coming back to the Bible." So, but uh, um, yeah, so I think we can all, at least in some ways, relate to um, 
to what Peter's talking about. And I want to say something about suffering and in your own context. I've uh, had a number of phone calls with folks and people are like, well, at least, you know, I don't live in Lebanon or Syria where that's war torn. You know, I just think, but like that is a way to kind of downplay you, the, the severity of your own problem. And uh, we are all facing uh severe issues um, that maybe you won't see the ramifications of for a couple of months. But uh, this is uh, this is a wearing time on people, and uh, you don't need to downplay it. Um, you know, That's you can right. say this is hard as a mother trucker right now, and uh, and uh, that's fu- that is fine, and it's good to confess that because then you can say save me, um, and uh, you know, and so we can relate to this even if we're not in Syria. That's right. Uh, people need to go back to their lamentations, go back to their psalms, and see that you have 100% permission from the Bible to say, this situation is the worst, and I'm actually kind of mad at God for it. Uh, now, maybe you are mad at God, maybe you're not, but if you do get to that stage as you grieve, because remember, we're all grieving people. This is trauma, and you're gonna you're grieving the fact that your child isn't going to have a normal graduation this spring. You're grieving the fact that you've lost your job. You're grieving the fact that your dream for the next two years of your life has just been radically changed. Clergy, I know, have given up sabbaticals that they were planning for this summer. Like, there's just uh, loss all around. Yes, there are good things for some people right now coming out of this, but there's also just a lot of loss, and so grieving it is going to be important. So, so Peter's comments here to Christians who are suffering speak definitely powerfully to us. And I think there's this Christian attitude towards suffering, which is very countercultural which is kind of, it was kind of unique when it came on the scene and it's still pretty rare. Even in the church, there are places in the church that don't endure suffering. They kind of fight back and have this worldly attitude of, you know, eye for an eye kind of thing. And that's not at all what we see in Jesus. And so Peter's, he doesn't say, you know, every cloud has a silver lining or something like that. What he says is your example, if you want to think about how you suffer, how do we suffer? We look at Christ. Uh, and this was someone, you know, cause a lot of, you know, for example, a lot of people when they're suffering, one of the common attitudes is I don't deserve this or what did I do to deserve this? And cause it's a way that you try to make sense of a bad thing that's happening, get some causation going on. And what Peter reminds them is that Jesus suffered and it was completely unfair. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He quotes the old Testament and he he was abused, but did not return abuse. He he entrusted himself fully to God. So this is kind of the the picture of what it means to suffer as a Christian, to uh, give up questions of deserving or not deserving and just say, yeah, I, I trust myself unto God. Now, that's hard. And don't preach this as law, preachers, because you can't do it. This is, like we said earlier, a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift. So one way you preach this is that for those of us that are not suffering well, we are complaining, we are blaming, we are looking for uh, rationalizations or whatever. Um, Jesus, this is another one of Jesus' perfect acts of righteousness that he suffers this injustice. And Paul or Peter describes it quite accurately. He bore our sins in his body. And one of our sins is the way we suffer badly uh, in sort of a narcissistic way. Um, what else would you say about this, Jacob, on this Good Shepherd Sunday passage? Yeah, I would. I would say that I would begin with the um, the injustice that the Good Shepherd has suffered on all of our behalf, 
and uh, how um, this now by the Spirit is working in you. Um, so I would, um, I would preach this descriptively and how I see this playing out in my congregation um, and how I see it playing out in their lives is an encouraging word for them. So because a lot of people, um, including myself, probably aren't aren't dealing with suffering well. You know, we go through fits of rage, we go through fits of frustration, and we've taken it out on somebody, you know, or said something we didn't mean. And, um, and uh, but to have someone say, you know, and uh, this happened uh, earlier this week, you know, a colleague was like, man, I really appreciated the way you handled that one particular situation. And uh, that really meant a lot. And so, um, and so I would preach this as descriptive and fruit and use illustrations of where you see it happening. That's right. Whereas the way I act out my suffering is through the gallon of ice cream that I polished off last night. Not the whole thing, but it was one of those situations where I opened the tub and I was like, there's more than one serving here, but not mm -hmm. that much more. So I just was like, forget it. I'm not even going to put it in a bowl. And I sat down, added some pretzels to it. <laughs> and soothed my soul and your kids had none they of it were, so yeah, anyway vanished but, um, already so uh, dad where's the ice cream <laughs> i don't know uh so uh get back to your homeschooling we um yeah we so it, you know we forgot to mention up top i don't know if we did that this is called good shepherd sunday it's not connected mm -hmm. to any sort of particular date in christ's life uh but it is uh, related to the fact that on this Sunday, the the fourth Sunday of Easter, we tend to have these readings that are always about Christ, the Good Shepherd, and so we see that here in First Peter, you were going astray like sheep, you have returned the shepherd and guardian of your souls, uh, and then we have obviously this passage from the tenth chapter of John where Jesus goes on kind of for a long time using this extended uh, metaphor for himself that he's he's like a shepherd. So, mm -hmm. uh, and as we turn now to the 10th chapter of John, we get this great verse, John 10.10. 10. It's one of the first verses I memorized after I became a Christian. I've come not to, um, mm. I, I came to give you life and life abundantly. Uh, and But it's part of this bigger passage, The Good Shepherd, um, which is also a movie about the CIA and Matt Damon. It has nothing to do with this passage. But what would you say about John 10.10, 10, Jesus being the Good Shepherd and a gate, all these yeah. things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, the first thing that I would say is that this is one of probably the most enduring and comforting images of Jesus um, being the good shepherd. You know, um, uh, you know, it's almost as comforting as Jesus as my judge. <laughs> so, but uh, um, I would say that uh, this is probably, I mean, from the earliest of the church, you know, you see images of Jesus with a lamb over his shoulder. Jesus is the shepherd. And so, but what this means is that if he's the shepherd, uh, you're a sheep. And um, and that's not quite a flattering image with all of us, because if you um, know anything about sheep, and I only know the little I've read in books, um, they tend to wander off and die um, fairly easily. You know, they um, drink poisonous water, they eat dangerous plants, and they just walk off cliffs. And so, so, um, which means that without him, the image being articulated and conveyed here in John 10 is that without him, there's no such thing as life. Um, there's just um, real death well, coming, think, you know what I mean? I, you are susceptible to animals and cliffs. I think they're also really, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're defenseless. And I mean, this is why it talks about these uh 
thieves and bandits that climb in by the gate and they steal sheep. I mean, sheep were livestock, and they, so they were a store of value. And um, so, and they can't, they've got no, no claws, no fangs, nothing to defend themselves. They're just these big woolly animals. So, yeah, stealing a sheep, you just climb over a fence, grab one, pass it to your buddy, and now you got some delicious lamb. But, uh, and for wolves, obviously, are, are often described in these passages. Uh, a wolf versus a sheep is pretty obvious who's going to win. And I think a lot of Christians forget this image of Jesus as being a shepherd. They think of it as um, kind of aw, like a Hummel figurine, like or a little kid in the pageant wearing yeah. a terry cloth robe holding a stick. And the shepherd, um, as you remember from King David way back when, like he had to kill lions and tigers and bears, you know, these animals that came to prey on the sheep that he was watching. So shepherds had to be kind of a little tough. And if you know from your uh, reading way back in Christmas time, the shepherds that uh, uh, were visited by angels to tell Jesus, they're sort of these blue collar kind of roughneck types. And uh, so to say that Jesus is our shepherd is to say that Jesus is, it's another way of saying he is our strong defender. He's the one that looks out for us when we're weak. And a lot of Christians, they're sheep trying to fight off wolves by themselves fight off their inner wolves and outer wolves from their surroundings. And uh, it's just, it's not a fair fight. The wolf is going to win every time. The reason, um, that's the reason we need a shepherd. And that's what we have in Jesus. Uh, the, I will sh share one example that I thought was really cool. I heard, I am not a shepherd and I don't spend much time with sheep. I like to eat them, but that's about it. I have, however, uh, I heard a woman uh, give a talk once about a shepherd she interviewed in Oregon. And this woman who was this writer wanted to find out more about shepherds. So she went to visit this woman and they walk out to the pasture and they're standing at the fence. And the shepherdess is telling this author about sheep and how they live and what they do. And the whole time she's whispering. And the author's like, why are you whispering? And she says, because if the sheep hear my voice, they'll all come running. And so when she finished her talk, she said, here, let me show you. And she just spoke kind of at a normal voice, did not yell, but just spoke and said whatever the words were that she used to call sheep. And they just all came running from all, I mean, they were just scattered all over the hillside and they just immediately started pouring towards the shepherd. They, they knew her voice. So this is not some kind of figure of speech. Like this is how shepherds worked and sheep knew their voice and would come. So this is... Um, uh, kind of a beautiful picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He says that he is the one who knows our name, speaks it, speaks to us, and we hear him and we know his voice, and he is our good shepherd to protect us from the thieves and bandits. And so this is another perfect image for people that are feeling weak and uh, scared and, and suffering. Well, that was really good. I don't so, need your affirmation, um, but I'll take it. Yeah, that was really good. So, um, yeah, I think I, I agree with everything you've said, and... Um, Although you did freeze for a bit, so I lost you for five oh, seconds. Oh, did I? And so, but, well, it was yeah. it was gold, and you'll have to wait until I could see you like fishing for what can I say about this? And I was like, why isn't Jake being more effusive? But now I realize it's because of our internet connection, and you missed the golden nuggets that I was offering. You'll have to pick them up later. Yeah, well, I I think that this is the main the, thing here is that um uh, that Jesus uses these metaphors to point to himself, and uh, and some of the main things here is that um that uh, he's the shepherd, and as a pastor, you're the gatekeeper. You open him up, you open the doors so that your flock can come on in, 
and then they can hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, and uh, they will run to him. And the distinction between the voice of the Good Shepherd and the thief is, is that the Good Shepherd always points to his work for the sheep, and how his blood has covered the sheep. And uh, the false thief and, uh, and uh, the other destructive kind of strangers, they'll uh, tell the sheep to do it themselves. But um, in this one particular case, the sheep that belong to the fold of the Good Shepherd know better. Uh, they know on their own um, they are dead meat. And so this is why um, the voice of the Good Shepherd is such good news, because the voice of the Good Shepherd says there are a lot of wolves out there, and um, I will lay my life down for you. You don't need to do it. I'm going to do it for you. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to throw you right over my shoulder and carry you into safety. I'm going to carry you through by my life, through death, mm -hmm into uh, the great everlasting pen where you'll prance around with all the other sheep of my fold. Um, and so... Bleeding happily. Bleeding ha Bleating. Yeah, that's right. Bah. Bah. So, but, um, you know, that's the good news and that's the distinction. And ultimately, in that second paragraph there, that's Jesus, because they didn't get it. You know, and uh, like all of us, we, yeah, they did, yeah. we, need to under, we need to oftentimes hear Jesus say it every day. And so he's like, listen, let, let me tell you, I'm the gate. For the sheep, you know, all who came before me were thieves and bandits, those, you know, Pharisees and false prophets. Um, but but the real sheep, the ones who've always lived like Abraham by faith, uh, they didn't listen to him and they've been expecting me. I am the way to the father. You know what I mean? I am the way to salvation. Um, and uh, that is the thing. I have come to give you life and life abundantly. I've not come Amen. to tell you how to get life. I've not come to, to empower you to do it. I've come to give you life. That's the voice of the Good Shepherd. The voice of the Good Shepherd gives you everything. Amen. And as I said in that part that was frozen that Jake didn't hear, um, the Church of Scientology is a great resource, and I encourage all of you to check it out. <laughs> voice of the False Shepherd right there. So anyway, <laughs> That's um, right. That's right. I'm kidding. I didn't say anything about that. Uh, yeah, that's right. Jesus is the good shepherd, and you know that because he is the one that does not put more burdens on your back. Uh, to, he doesn't come to kill or destroy or to steal. He comes to give you life. That's the good shepherd wants the sheep to thrive. Amen. And that's what he comes to do for you because he's done all the work for you and lays down his life for the sheep. Well, that's a Which, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, one more thing about that. The other thing I learned from that sheep... I, one thing, I spent a lot of time talking, Jake, when my screen was frozen for you, talking about this uh, shepherd um, that I heard described in a talk uh, a while ago. But one of the other things that shepherds would do is they would lie across the gate of the sheep pen. They would literally kind of lie down there so that uh, nothing would get in to harm the sheep. So another beautiful image of our Lord Jesus who uh, takes one for the team, i.e. us. Well... That's awesome. So um, this is a good place to close. So uh, I think uh, we'll go from there. And uh, happy preaching, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. God bless. And bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. 
Dave's All will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.